0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony
1: Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for tuning in and making us part of your day. Well, coming up on this Thursday edition, Biden has waived 26 federal laws in South Texas to allow a restart of border wall construction. Question is, what has prompted President Biden to reverse his previous declaration? There will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. I'm going to make sure that we have border protection, but it's going to be based on making sure that we use high tech capacity to deal with it. That was President Biden back in 2020. What has brought this change of heart? We're going to talk with Texas Congressman Pete Sessions in just a little bit. And the clock is ticking on the short term funding bill that expires on November the 17th.
0: We set out a schedule to get all of our work done by the end of October. Uh, that schedule is now going to get tossed out of the window. Uh, so what happened with uh, with Kevin is something I did not want to see happen. Uh, but our job right now as a Republican Party in the House is to come together, figure out who the next leader is going to be, and then we got to get back to work.
1: That was Florida Congressman Byron Donalds yesterday. We, uh, we're going to talk to a House appropriator to see... What is possible while the House remains without a speaker? Maryland Congressman Andy Harris joins me in just a moment. Even though his previous attempts were declared illegal, yesterday President Biden said he would work to cancel student loan debt with taxpayer dollars. As I said at the time, I believe the court's decision to strike down my student debt relief program was wrong, but I promised I wouldn't give up. Since then, my administration has been pursuing a new approach, grounded and under a different law. The Higher Education Act. We're going to discuss it. As we mentioned yesterday, Pope Francis has created a stir with his comments earlier this week about the Church blessing same-sex relationships. The, Pope's be, the Pope began a meeting of Church leadership, the Synod of Bishops, yesterday at the Vatican with these comments.
0: It is necessary, first of all, that the Church should never depart from the sacred patrimony. Of truth received from the fathers but at the same time she must ever look to the present to the new conditions and new forms of life introduced
1: into the modern world Mm, how do you do both we're gonna talk with my good friend Bill Donahue president and CEO of Catholic League for religious and civil rights about what this means for the Catholic Church and if you think there are no young people who care about biblical truth and standing for that truth in an increasingly hostile culture, well, then you'll want to stick around for my conversation with Abigail DeJarnette and Ali Paris with Counteract USA. Our word for today comes from Romans chapter 12. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What are we not to be conformed to? Well, it's the world. In John chapter 2, verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So how are we to be transformed? Well, in John 17, Jesus prays for his disciples to the father he says keep them from the evil one they are not of the world just as i am not of the world sanctify them by your truth your word is truth the answer is the word of god to join us in our journey through the bible go to frc.org bible well amid the historic removal of the speaker of the house for the first time in american history comes uncertainty as leaders in both parties consider their next steps With Congress paralyzed until a new speaker is selected, what does this mean for the appropriations process as the clock ticks down on the temporary government funding bill passed last weekend? Will Republicans select a leader in time to meet the November deadline? Joining me now to discuss this and more, Congressman Andy Harris. He serves on the House Appropriations Committee, and he represents the 1st Congressional District of Maryland. Dr. Harris, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you.
2: Good to be with you, Tony.
1: Well, I've had conversations with uh, a number of your colleagues as they are huddling, trying to discuss uh, next steps. What's the latest that you can tell us?
2: Well, look, I think we're going to resolve this next week. Uh, we have a deep bench. That's what we found out uh, because when uh, uh, former Speaker McCarthy said he's he's not going to run for it again, uh, you know, several very good individuals stepped forward: Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise. Uh, You know, Tom Emmer is probably in the mix, Uh, you know, other other folks as well. Uh, And I think we're going to come to a decision next week and then we're going to move forward.
1: In the meantime, can the Appropriations Committee do any additional work or are we at a standstill?
2: Well, the committee itself could do work, uh, but it's unclear whether we could bring a product to the floor. That's really where we stopped. Uh, We had passed the rule to bring two of the bills to the floor this week. Uh, Then that's when we uh, um, moved and uh, successfully vacated the speakership. Uh, But it's unclear whether the speaker pro tem, who is Patrick McHenry from North Carolina, whether he has the ability to allow any floor action other than the election of the speaker at this point. So I think we're in a standstill until after the Columbus Day holiday. Uh, We're going to come back. Hopefully on Wednesday we elect a new speaker and we go right into uh, taking up those appropriations bills and get the last seven done in the House.
1: How much time is going to be required to get those remaining seven seven funding bills through the process? Because this was a big sticking point. I mean, this is the 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 omnibus, the mini buses that we've seen before, where all these have been lumped together. That was the big issue and the concern among yourself and other conservatives. So. Is there going to be time and how much time will it take to get that done?
2: Well, you know, we had it mapped out uh, again before the uh, before the motion to vacate. We had it mapped out so that by November 1st, we would have had all the bills on the floor, not necessarily have passed all the bills. Some will not pass. That's okay. You know, the the legislative process is we should discuss them on the floor. Uh, This will set us back a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, So we still could have them all done. By the time the continuing resolution is up on November 17th, uh, we'd probably have to cancel a week of recess in in November. I think we should at that point if if that's what we need to do. Uh, But, uh, Tony, we could have it done by, uh, again, by the end of the continuing resolution. Hopefully the Senate uh, also takes some of these up on the floor. Senate hasn't taken a single one up on the floor yet. Hopefully they begin their floor action as well.
1: Well, Senator Rick Scott of Florida is leading an effort over in the Senate to block bills not related to government funding, because you see uh, almost every day when the the Senate is in session, Chuck Schumer kind of taunting the Republicans in the House about government funding. But they've done nothing over there in terms of advancing their appropriations bills. That's
2: absolutely right. Uh, four bills on the floor. Those four bills account for about 70 percent of our of our discretionary spending. Senate has taken up no bills on the floor. So we're actually way ahead of the Senate. Uh, again, if the Senate would move on a defense appropriation bill, I think we can go to conference pretty quickly and at least take care of our troops uh, so that they're not involved in a continuing resolution uh, if if we should need one in the middle of November.
1: So, Congressman Harris, uh, your colleagues kind of understand that the Democrats are just kind of standing there, I think, salivating, hoping the Republicans can't come together so that they can just continue to proliferate government spending. Because if the Republicans can't get leadership together to move forward with these appropriations bills, we're going to see another continuation, probably a year-long funding of government.
2: Well, if if we do go to a year-long funding of government, uh, because of the uh, debt ceiling deal, it will be at 1% less spending than this year. So, you know, government spending will get a haircut, not a big one. But considering that inflation is uh, present, uh, it's it's a significant spending decrease, 1%. I think we should decrease our spending more than that. We should return to pre-COVID spending levels. Uh, But again, worse comes to worse we're going to we will, by law, be spending less this coming fiscal year than or this fiscal year we're in right now than the last fiscal year.
1: Well, I'm I'm with you. I hope that the Republicans can come together next week and uh, select a leader to move forward and get these appropriations bills forward, because I I think the Republicans are on the right track. I understand narrow margins and trying to lead the Republicans through makes it very difficult for leadership. But we're We're moving in the right direction. So we just need to continue to pray that that uh, occurs. I want to get your response, Congressman Harris, to President Biden uh, yesterday, once again, even though he's been slapped down by the court uh, before, is saying he's going to find another way to eliminate student loan debt with taxpayer dollars. Look,
2: I I just don't get it. Uh, I I guess I understand the politics of it, Tony. But look, uh, I have small business people in my district. You know, they they run a plumbing company. They run an HVAC company. They have a truck loan. You know, they have to borrow money to buy a truck. Why aren't we forgiving those loans? I mean, the bottom line is, you know, a student loan was taken out by someone who signed their name and said they were going to pay it back. There are mortgage loans, there are credit card loans, there are other loans where people do the same thing. Why are we picking student loans to be the one that's forgiven with taxpayer dollars? And that's significant because when we're we just ended a fiscal year with $2.2 trillion deficit, $2.2 trillion. And we're gonna give away money to people who, again, who have signed something that said they're gonna pay their loan back, and we expect, you know, 90% of taxpayers to pay for those 10% who are not going to pay their student loans back. It's just basically unfair.
1: I, I want to get you to respond to something the president said along those lines yesterday, where he actually compared the student loan to the, uh, the PPP plan during the COVID. I want to play clip number four and get you to respond to this. Let's be clear. Some of the same elected Republicans or members of Congress who are strongly opposed to giving relief to students got hundreds of thousands of dollars in relief for themselves to keep their businesses open. Several members of Congress got over a million dollars, and all those loans were forgiven. The hypocrisy of this, I find stunning. Congressman, how do you respond to that?
2: Look, it's apples and oranges. The bottom line is that uh, you know the the federal government forced businesses to close. Uh, again, students were at school. They took out these loans. These loans had nothing to do with COVID. Uh, the, the president is making up excuses for a purely political purpose. Look, he he reads the polls. He's down in the polls. He's desperate. He has to get people to vote for him, and he's attempting to buy votes with taxpayer dollars. But,
1: but, but I, I want to go a little further because if I recall correctly, and you're, you're, clo- you're closer to the process, but when the, the, the pay, pay protection plan uh, came out— There was uh, it was communicated that you wouldn't pay back these loans. This was more than a loan as long as you kept the employees in place. This was about taking care of the employees who were going to be paid during these business shutdowns. So it was it's it is apples and oranges It is a big difference between the two.
2: Absolutely, Tony. There's no question about it. This president wants to forgive student loans that are 10 years old, that that predated COVID by seven or eight years. It has nothing to do with COVID. It's mixing apples and oranges. This is purely for political purposes. Look, I get it. He wants to buy the votes of the people who have student loans. He shouldn't do it with taxpayer dollars. We, taxpayers should resent that. Even if you have a loan, you should resent it because who knows what he's going to spend your money on uh, next week. Right with a $2.2 trillion deficit. $2.2 trillion, Tony, that's completely unprecedented when we're not at war and we're not in a pandemic.
1: And and that's all the while he's running around claiming that he has reduced the deficit, largest deficit reduction in history. Uh, Congressman Andy Harris, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Congressman Andy Harris, Dr. Congressman Andy Harris uh, of Maryland. You know, it's also interesting that this is the second time around coming into an election where the president has promised the student loan uh, bailouts. You know, you get two bites of the apple. He's actually buying boats twice with the same lie. Uh, hopefully students, these folks that have college degrees now, will be wiser than that. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of the break. Welcome back to Washington. Watch the website, TonyPerkins.com. On that website, we've got resources available for you and contact information uh, for our guests that we have on the program. All right, we touched on this yesterday. The Catholic Church's 16th Ordinary General Assembly of the Senate of Bishops began yesterday in Vatican City with a warning from Pope Francis to avoid political calculations or ideological battles and instead pray that the gathering will serve as a means to bear witness to God's love. And that's, uh, uh, that's certainly notable and uh, something that we should all pursue, unity. But unity needs to revolve around truth. As the Synod begins, Pope Francis has drawn criticism from within Catholic circles— For his recent comments that could open the door for the church to provide blessings to same-sex unions, which is in contradiction to both biblical orthodoxy and 2,000 years of tradition. What might this mean to the Catholic faithful across the world? Uh, Joining me now to discuss this, Bill Donahue, president and CEO, Catholic League for Religious and Civil Rights. Bill, good to see you. Thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you, Tony, and thank you for all the good work that you've been doing.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Uh, it's it's great to labor alongside you on behalf of religious freedom and civil rights. So I, I really want to start there because you and I have seen in the last 10 years or more, increasingly religious liberty is at risk because of this agenda from the LGBTQ community. It's, in, infiltra- it's infiltrated corporate America. Now we see even in the church This idea that we can bless that which is contradictory to the teaching of Scripture will only lead to further conflict.
4: Well, this is a process in the church. It's supposedly a listening session and whatnot. It's going to be more than that. We all know that. Uh, There's about 450 people uh, meeting in Rome for the month of October. And a year from now, in October of 24, uh, the Pope will release uh, the findings of what they want. Now, the question is this. Uh, Pope Francis has muddied the waters on several occasions. Uh, He's a man of walking contradictions. On the one hand, he will say exactly what the Catholic Catechism says, which is the official doctrines of the Catholic Church, things that are not amenable to change. There are lots of things the Catholic Church can change on. They change on on Friday, all kinds of things on that. Those are man-made strictures. But there are certain things that can't change. So, All right, then there's always those gray areas, what it can change, what it can't change. On the matter of same-sex marriage, of course, the Catholic Church is obviously opposed to that. Jesus was opposed to anything, any kind of violation of the traditional understanding between a man and a woman. Now, there's been pressure by gay Catholics and gays in general in our society to uh, become more inclusive. Uh, And that means basically giving in to their agenda. So a lot of people, including a lot of priests, uh, including the Pope, Uh, They may be well-intentioned and wanting to reach out to people and don't want to be exclusionary and show compassion, but if it's at the expense of teaching, then that's a problem. For example, just two years ago, in 2021, the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, which presides over doctrine, had a publication released by the Pope, which explicitly said, we cannot bless same-sex unions. So the question for people like me is, since I'm here to defend the Church against unfair criticism and the like, why then is it even open for discussion? After all, this is the Pope who said that we can't have capital punishment, which, by the way, the Catholic Church has never unequivocally said we can't have. But well, why isn't that part of the listening session of the Synod, should we reconsider maybe bringing it back, since he is, some people question his authority to even do so, uh, said it's inadmissible. Uh, So it always seems to be the stuff by the agenda of the left that seems to get out there. They're so concerned about marginalizing LGBTQ people. I can tell you this. They should spend more time wondering about how Orthodox Catholics feel about being marginalized by the left-wing Catholics in our church today. That's a discussion they need to have, not worry about the LGBTQ, uh, double-I,
1: plus-plus-plus people. To to be clear, I mean, the the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church uh, welcome those to come into the church. The question is blessing behavior that is in contradiction to the teaching of scriptures. And so that's, I I just want to be very clear because I know we all want the, the people of, all different backgrounds to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's transformative. It's the issue of blessing behavior that is in contradiction to that teaching. You've got to be somewhat encouraged. I think I I saw there were five uh, cardinals who asked questions, clarifying questions of the Pope. So there are certainly those in this process who are wanting to remain faithful to the orthodoxy of Scripture.
4: Well, that's true. Unfortunately, none of them have been invited to go to Rome, and they've they've tried to to uh, uh, to deal with the Pope before on some of these issues. Look, what they're trying to do is is is, is thread the eye of a needle. Of course, the Church can't come out and say that homosexual sodomy is acceptable. They can't say that. They wouldn't have any Church. There'd be no Catholics left. So what they're trying to do is say, okay, we can't. Behavior is one thing, but the status of being a homosexual is morally neutral. That's true. That every the church does welcome everybody in, uh, independent of your sexual orientation, race, or whatever it might be. But there's a fine line here, isn't it? It's a, it's a slippery slope. If you say that as an individual, as a homosexual, you're welcome, that's true. But homosexual behavior, we know what that is. And right. that is contrary to the teachings of the Catholic Church and to what all Christians believe. So they've got to be very, very careful. Uh, and and if they did get if they go down this road too far, everything's going to implode. Uh, Bill I don't think
1: it will happen. By the way, Bill. Final question for you: I'm not Catholic, so I, I, I'm not. I mean, I, I, I'm an observer in and appreciate the relationship I have with you and other Catholics who are faithful to the teaching of Scripture. The, the process can 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 the Pope literally change the direction of the course, uh, the direction of the Church? Are there Guidelines. I mean, are there, there are safety nets there with the rest of the leadership within the Catholic structure?
4: No, he has no authority to change the teachings of the Catholic Church. Uh, and and all, any kind of a doctrine has to be done by the magisterium It's the Pope in communion with the bishops on, on some very, very serious things. And he changed the conversation, yes. See, they want to be more pastoral, meaning more outreaching to people. We don't want them to be hurt. We want to welcome people in. Right. Yes, we should welcome people in uh, but, you know, be careful when you when, when you welcome in the thief and the adulterer that they don't come in and say on my terms. They're always the question is this on whose terms are you coming to? If you come well, to the church on the terms of the church, that's one thing. But not on your terms. If what right. you're asking us is to well, we, sinful
1: behavior. We we all come to the cross on the terms of Jesus. He set them out. there. Yes. Bill, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. Always great to see you. Thank you for being a good friend of the Catholic community, too. All right. Thank you, Bill. All right, folks, don't go away. Border security. All of a sudden, the president's concerned about this. What's that about? Don't go away.
3: Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org prolifemen to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
5: Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and once again, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. According to an announcement released yesterday from Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, the United States has an acute and immediate need to build a wall on the southern border. In response to this need, Secretary Mayorkas issued an order waiving some of the left's most cherished environmental protection laws to speed up border wall construction. Now, This I I, I welcome this, quite frankly, but this contradicts everything the Biden administration has insisted since they took over. Is the White House responding to the polling, to the political pressure? Is it the criticism from Democratic mayors and governors that led to this U-turn? And with as many as nine million illegal immigrants who have already entered the country since President Biden took office, is it too little too late? Join me now to discuss this and more, Congressman Pete Sessions. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability and the House Financial Services Committee. He represents the 17th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Sessions, welcome back to the program. Good to see you.
6: Tony, thank you very much. What a uh, an amazing set of circumstances now that we find the Biden administration and Democrats in it's, I'm reminded of from going back easily with bill clinton barack obama and now they they want to be firefighters but what they turn out to be is is arsonists by the way they start it and then try and take credit for what they do to be firefighters they cause the problem it is a problem it's a huge problem for not just the state of texas but new york california and so many places and now that they've got the mayor of New York City paying $10 million or almost $10 million a day to house these immigrants, putting them up in hotels, which are forcing uh, New Yorkers to not get revenue that might come from people visiting, the tremendous cost. Now, Eric Adams is headed down south of the border to tell people, please do not come. It is a political nightmare for them.
1: This is good news in terms of that the the wall that started during the Trump administration is going to continue on. But what assurances do we have that this is not just something to pacify the current political um, wave that is moving against them? And it will, in fact, be followed through. I think we're looking at about uh, two dozen, uh, about 24 miles of uh, of wall that's uh, with this uh, uh, contract that's being let out. So Are are, are you convinced that this is a true change of heart, or is it just political?
6: Uh, I believe that it comes from an abject failure, and this is in Stark County, which is on our border. Stark County is home to tens of thousands of people who migrate through this every single month. It is placing law enforcement in difficult circumstances. It is placing local people in the city, Eagle Pass, and other places in a very difficult position, not only from the threat to their families, but national security. So the bottom line is, Tony, they are, are catching flack for what they've done. And one would have to ask in the first place, what were you trying to accomplish? What was your goal? How are you going to handle all these people? And once again, the Democratic Party and Joe Biden ready, fire.
1: Yeah. I was looking at it's actually 20 miles that they're going to be building here that they announced. But this comes after I I think they've sold off more than three hundred million dollars of materials for the wall for just two million dollars. I mean, again, this this makes absolutely no sense what this administration is doing.
6: Well, it goes back to Tony to that original plan that was all about politics to match their political ambitions of completely turning this country into a one-party system. Uh, but what it's done is destabilize these states and, and cities that allow illegal immigrants uh, to, to flourish there. And this is the typical typical thing that Democrats are good at. They get an inch and they take a mile. This is untenable for America. Our, our, and, and these images uh, are harming their opportunity yeah. every single time. Just like rule of law. these They have massive problems as a result of what they instilled and created. And this is placing federal law enforcement in a bad position. Uh, but they did this. We did not negotiate this.
1: Right. And in, in, in the, the, the polling and, and the trends suggest that the issues you brought up, lawlessness, crime, border and the economy are going to be major issues in the 2024 election. And frankly, the administration and the Democratic Party have very little to stand on when it comes to those three issues.
6: Well, the American people uh, have heard the story. They understand it. Uh, they are looking for my party. I am a Republican. They're looking for our party, and I am too, to take a strong stand now that we are in budget negotiations for appropriations for 24. To be able to stand on solid ground and say, we are not going to fund the government if they do not fix these problems. So, they preempted that. They're starting to do this. It's just in one area. But next to uh, Arizona is probably the biggest gap that yeah. we have in the border.
1: Congressman Pete Sessions, I want to thank you for taking time to join us today. Always great to see you. Thanks so much, and uh, have a great afternoon. Tony, thank you very much. All right, folks, stick around. On the other side of the break, you know, one of the things I often hear is people are concerned about the next generation. Well, there is a remnant, and I actually wrote about this a few years back, and it continues to be true. There is a, there is a remnant of young people standing firm for truth, in this country. We're going to talk to them next, some of them. Don't go away. We're back with more Washington Watch after this.
5: Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things, You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation to stand for truth And to seek the Lord first, just go to prayvotestand.org. Again, that's prayvotestand.org.
1: to have you with us on this Thursday, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. Earlier in the week, we were discussing once again, the World Health Organization and uh, the U.S. historically contributes more than any other country to the World Health Organization. All right. In 2022, Congress spent $434 million in American tax funds to the WHO. Now, this was despite their Aggressive push to usurp national sovereignty and promote abortion and gender ideology, not to mention their failed approach to the pandemic. Now, Congress is considering legislative proposals to kind of untangle the United States from subsidizing the WHO's massive overreach, but none are more important than what's happening right now. We were just talking about earlier with uh, Dr. Andy Harris, who's an appropriator. As these bills make their way through, the 12 appropriations bills, this is where we can remove the United States' funding from the WHO. So here's the action item. You need to let your senators and your congressmen know that you want the United States out of the WHO. So text WHO WHO to 67742. That's 67742. 742-WHO, and you'll get a link, and then you can fill out that petition that we're going to get to members of Congress. It's important. This is bad. And we're going to continue to track that, by the way, as we move toward uh, two significant deadlines. Uh, December 1st is when states, member states, can pull out of uh, these... negotiations that are going forward to give more power to the WHO. There's actually amendments to the process, as well as a pandemic accord. So we're going to talk more about that in the days ahead. Uh, So anyway, for now, text WHO to 67742. As the Bible tells us, we as Christians are like strangers and aliens in this fallen world, and we're called to be set apart. In fact, I opened the, the Program today with Romans chapter 12, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And of course, we do that through the word of God. But the Bible is filled with examples of men and women who did that. I mean, examples like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Israelites in exile who weren't shaken by indoctrination from the Babylonian empire, despite what they were targeted with, they stood true to truth. They were prepared and they were grounded in that truth, willing to stand for their beliefs, knowing they worshiped a God greater than that of the hostile culture. If this resonates with you, there's a growing ministry targeting young people that you may want to hear about. And here to tell us more about Counteract USA, the founder and CEO, Ab- uh, Ab- Abigail DeJarnette, as well as the Chief Operating Officer, Ali Paris. Uh, Abigail, Ali, welcome to Washington Watch. Good to see you. Good
7: Thank to you see so you. Thank you for having us.
1: So let's, uh, I'm going to start first. Um, Abigail, tell us about the focus of Counteract USA.
7: Yes, sir. So basically what we do is we seek to equip Generation Z Christians from all across the nation to apply biblical truth, to apply biblical worldview to cultural and political issues. We're seeing so many children and young adults in our generation who make it to college, who make it to simple conversations in the workplace with friends, with family, and they aren't prepared with how to actually speak to the key issues of our day through the lens of a biblical worldview. And they're deconstructing, they're falling away from the faith, but really the word of God speaks to all of it. So what we seek to do is we seek to establish these small groups of young believers all across the country who meet weekly and have these conversations with one another, building rapport with one another so that they can then go. Out and actually be the hands and feet of Jesus in their community and share the gospel through these cultural and political conversations.
1: So, so part of that, the, the small groups is it's kind of like community. It, it is encouraging one another because it's sometimes lonely out there, especially on college campuses. So, it, you find that there are a lot of uh, young people, Allie, that are looking for that community.
8: Yeah, definitely. I think that was one thing that we noticed in colleges people are hungry. They're hungry for truth. And they there are so many things out there and people are searching. And so just by starting a small group in Abby's basement a couple of years ago, it kind of exploded from like four or five girls to almost 30 girls meeting weekly in the basement. And so um, from there is when we thought, you know what, if a group of us in Arkansas, which is already a pretty conservative state, needs something like this, I'm sure people in other states need it. And so we found a lot of um, people are very hungry for it. And, and and uh, gravitate towards it.
1: So yes, sir. So uh, let me step back for just a moment, Abigail, and, and, and tell our viewers and our listeners what um, inspired you to begin this effort? What was it that prompted you to step out and do this?
7: Yes, sir. Well, I actually graduated from a small Christian high school in Rogers, Arkansas, here, where we're from, and I had gone to the school from kindergarten until graduation, and it was great, great, great curriculum, worldview of building, establishing. I felt really prepared to go to college, but within a semester of starting college, about half of my graduating class abandoned their faith completely, LGBTQ lifestyle, party scene some said that they rejected God entirely couldn't believe that we even still believed in the God of the Bible the God that we had served and worshipped our entire lives and i was left wondering how were they so ill equipped to actually wield the sword of the spirit in the spiritual battle the spiritual warfare that they're facing on college classrooms and in the workplace and so the lord began to work on my heart throughout my first three semesters of college that his word speaks to every single thing that my professors were throwing out is every single thing that we were seeing on social media so the christian doesn't have to wonder what god says we can confidently and boldly proclaim the truth of who god is and that's where the hope is our, our generation is very very hopeless there's a mental health epidemic and you can see it you walk on a college campus you can see it people are sad they're hurting they're broken and what they're looking for is the hope of jesus is the light of who he is so if gen z christians were actually more equipped better prepared to actually apply what the word of god already says about what we're facing in these days and age well then we might see some change for the gospel we might seem to see some change for the kingdom and so those first three semesters of college I would have conversations with this girl over coffee this guy that we would you know be working and we would just hey let's have this conversation you did did you see that on social media and I was passionate about it but I wasn't planning on Doing anything about it because I already had my plan set. I already had decided that I was going to go to school to be a speech pathologist, marry the guy I'd been dating for five and a half years, and that was it. That was my plan. But as we know, getting on your ship to Tarsus doesn't always work out when God's clearly calling you to do something else. So the Lord began to work on my heart and work on me and work on me until finally I just said, Okay, Jesus, I surrender. Here are my plans. You have them. Whatever you want, it's yours. So I started 2021, new major, no friends in my old degree program. I had ended my relationship as part of that surrender that I had been in with a guy for a a while. And I also totaled my car like two weeks before the end of 2021 or 2020. And so I was a totally blank slate, but that was where the Lord had my full attention. I had so much more peace with my plans and ashes than when I thought I had everything figured out. And so as I continued to have conversations with different young adults who were hungry for real truth. They didn't want surface level anymore. They were tired of it. They wanted to go deeper. They wanted to actually talk about who God is and the hope of what the gospel brings to us. And so about six months of that happened, and then, and then the Lord put on my heart, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you've got to get these people together so at the very least they know that they're not alone, like you were saying. They're not alone. There are people who have their backs. A, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. If we can get these young adults together to form these iron sharpness, iron relationships, so that then they're confident and bold. And they're speaking from a position of, of boldness, of security, of encouragement, spurring one another on to love and good works, not forsaking to meet together. Well, then we might see some actual change. We might see some hope in our generation because the hope that they're looking for is Jesus.
1: Yeah, it, it just it, it takes one to stand courageously and others come around, I mean, courage breeds courage, but it resonates with me what you're saying is that, I, you know, even I, I found in, as I was younger years ago when I was in law enforcement and the military, that it, these things that I was faced with weren't difficult because the scripture spoke very clearly to them. And so if you know the scripture, you can respond to these these situations with confidence and clarity. But I think what we're finding and what you have touched on, and this is a core principle of Counteract USA, is the authority of Scripture. So many young people who have grown up in church or been around it don't know the Scripture and how to use the Scripture and what the Scripture speaks authoritatively to so many of the issues that we're faced with today. And so that is a key part of what you're doing in these small groups, is it not?
7: Absolutely. 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 We've actually been developing our own uh, curriculum as far as leading discussions go, because as we are continuing to grow throughout the country, we we want accountability in place. We want discipleship in place. But it always goes back to what does the word of God have to say about it? And, and it's just... So amazing. I was talking to a girl who goes to our group in Northwest Arkansas, and she's been going since the very beginning of counter, she's been attending. And she was telling me over coffee that that the discussions that we have at counter, the discussions that she has with the other girls in her group, the guys that are in the community, she said that it hasn't only changed the way that she views culture and politics by viewing it through the lens of a biblical worldview she says it's changed how she views everything she runs everything by the word of god because what we are trying to do is develop biblical critical thinking skills within our generation within our peers so that we're running everything through the lens of a biblical worldview no matter if it's cultural political or even just life decisions and so that was just so encouraging to hear that from from her first of all but just testimonies that we're hearing throughout the country it's amazing our generation is ready to turn to biblical truth
1: yeah, in, in a time where there is, you know, we live in a society where people are afraid to call a boy a boy and a girl a girl. I mean, if there was ever a time where clarity was needed, it is now. And I think people, I, I think you're absolutely right. A large part of the, um, the the mental health issues that we're facing is because of the uncertainty and the fear of somehow tripping across one of these lines that was not here yesterday, but it's here today because someone decided to change something. Uh so I completely agree with that. Before we get too far down the uh the path here, how can people find out more about Counteract?
8: Yeah, so you can go to counteractusa.org and on there we have our core values. We have how a cell is built. We have different ways. We have our events that are coming up. So everything is on counteractusa.org. And there's a there's a form
7: on there, that a uh, get involved form. You can let us know how you want to get involved, and our team will be happy to reach
8: out and make that mm-hmm. connection.
1: So uh, how many states are you presently operating in?
8: We're in about seven states right now with about four or five coming up pretty soon.
1: Okay. Where do you where, go ahead and shout out some states you want people in, and maybe they'll uh, they'll contact you because we're all across the country. What states are you looking to move to next?
8: Yeah, well, we'd love Texas right now. We have a couple people in te- Texas that are interested, but we'd love Texas. Uh, I think just kind of all over. We're um, we're in currently like Pennsylvania, Montana, Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma. Um, so yeah, just kind of looking to to branch out maybe fill in some we of have Western several states. on
7: the yeah that's mm-hmm. what I was going to say we have several on the the eastern side of the country but we're looking to expand westward and get to continue our reach out there
1: all right well folks you heard that if you got folks out in california oregon louisiana uh, mississippi wherever contact them now tell us about the event that you come you have come up you have a big event coming up uh in, in uh, just a couple of weeks
7: yeah so it's actually next friday is our first big national conference as god has again just been opening up so many doors and putting so many things in place so that we can actually have an event like this is amazing but this first national conference we're having is called resolve to stand living in daniel faith in the culture of babylon and basically the focus of the event is is hopefully hoping that a generation of christians or and beyond our generation, would be resolved to stand predetermined, setting their hearts to understand what God says and who he is so that when you are challenged, when you are put in that situation where you're asked to submit, you've already made up your mind. You've already resolved that you will not submit. You will not bow. And so that's our hope. That's our attention. That's our focus. We'll be joined by people like Riley Gaines, Congressman Louie Gilmert, several others. We're just so excited. There's a there's a missionary joining us that we can't uh, even release her name publicly because of, of all the work that she's done. But she uh, Her testimony mm-hmm. is, is truly a, a, someone who has had to actually pay the price for their faith. And so we're just super excited. We have a lot of young people who are already registered to attend, but it is open to all ages. It's open to anyone in the Northwest Arkansas area or nearby. We'd love to see anyone there, but we're very, very excited about all God is going to do that weekend.
1: So that's October the 13th and the 14th at Rogers First Church of the Nazarene uh, begins uh, Friday evening. And and that's at the website, too. People can find out more about that event and how they can register at the website.
8: Yes. Yes,
7: sir.
1: So um, we've just got a couple of minutes left. What would you say to young people, especially because you've, you know, you know, Abigail, you were talking about how you had your plans, you were moving down the path, but God got your attention. You know, we, we just got a, a, a short period of time to live our lives. What would you say... How do we make the greatest impact? 30 seconds.
7: Absolutely. I would say that you can make the biggest impact with the people that you already know, trusting that God's way is best in all things, knowing that his design is best, that he loves you so much, and then not being afraid to have those conversations with the people around you, your friends, your family, your classmates. Be bold for the gospel in small ways, and then he'll let you be bold in big ways, and he will prevail every single time.
1: Well, Ali, Abigail, I want to thank you for, uh, for joining us today. Uh, it's so encouraging and uh, so grateful. I know you guys were up at the Pray, Vote Stand Summit, and we're a part of that event. And uh, we share with you the passion of helping young people operate from a biblical worldview and understanding all of the things around us from that perspective. So I hope uh, the event goes well. We're going to tell people that are nearby to come and be a part of it.
7: Thank you so much. Thank you for
1: having us. Absolutely. All right, folks, you can find out more. Check out the website, uh, counteractusa.org, or go to tonyperkins.com, and you can find out more about it as well. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means,
0: 372-7234. That's one 372 7234